morning and welcome to the Dog Tales podcast. I'm currently sitting with a gentleman by the name of Barry Butcher. We're sitting above the Salty Dog Cafe, listening to the ocean with the warm sun on our back, and it's a magical day here in Torquay. Now, Barry Butcher has the most incredible dog called Freddie, and I observed Freddie and Barry for quite some time as I've come down to the Salty Dog get a coffee. What I noticed was all the other dogs that come into Salty Dog head straight to Barry, and I thought, yeah, (laughs) what's going on here? (laughs) But it would appear that Barry comes down every morning and he has his little tub of snacks, and he hands out snacks to the other dogs. So everybody down here knows Barry Mm. and his incredible dog, Freddie. So I'd love to introduce you to Barry, have a chat and just find out this very interesting man's story. So welcome. Thank you. That's, that's a very good introduction. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it's very neutral but basically accurate. So, yeah, you're right. I've been coming down here for every day for seven years probably. Got Freddie, uh, the earlier dog, Shishka. She used to come down as well and we, we just got to know the people. You find dog owners congregate anyway. They talk. You meet them on the beach. You used to find out what the dog's name is long before you find out what the owner's names are. <laughs> yes. And it's a really good entree to just, I mean, I don't do it deliberately thinking, oh, who can I meet today? It just happens. And that's what's good about it. And I've met very few people who are on the beach with dogs or whatever who are in any way uh, antagonistic. It's a really friendly cafe it down is. here at Salty I actually found, being new to Torquay six months ago, the first thing I did was come down for a coffee and, mm. and saw many dogs and said, oh, do you mind if I pat? I'd say hello. Mm. And then the people said, oh, where are you from? What's your story? Would you like to sit with us? Yeah. And that's basically how I met you, yeah. Barry, and observed this incredible relationship. Can you tell me about Freddie? Freddie's just beautiful. I'll go back one step. I had a dog named Shishka. It was a Samoyed. Well, Sh- Shishka was a rescue dog. And she came from New South Wales. She turned into the best dog I ever had. So I'd had Shishka for seven years. And friends rang me and said, there's a Samoyed pup. Anyway, I was persuaded to look. And it turned out that this dog was blind. He was 11 weeks old. Oh, um, wow. And, and they stuck the most amazing photo in, in, <laughs> in the things. I mean, here he was looking up. You, you just fell in love with him straight away. So, so that, did that, you know he was blind in the advertisement? It, it said in the advertisement. Yeah. But my friends hadn't told me. <laughs> I think they were hoping I was going to get it. So I rang my friend, agreed that I'd go up on the Friday, and she and I would go out and have a look at this dog. But I had to take this dog that I'd got, the blind dog, who was then unfortunately called Lucky. Um, and we went out there and um, they met, and it was excellent. This little dog who I thought would probably be really nervous because he'd been blind from birth. He was only 11 weeks old, but he was full of confidence. I ended up taking him home. And we got home and I introduced him to the cats that I had and they didn't seem to mind him. I thought it was a bit of an idiot, I think, but anyway. Um, <laughs> and he attached himself to Shishka and as a result of that, he never did any of the things that pups normally do in the house. Or peed or pooed anywhere, um, you know, didn't do much in the way of destruction except for a few books and um, basically was brilliant. Although he's completely blind, doesn't see anything, he's got harassed by that at all. So they lived together with me for seven years. Wow. Until Shishka died, or old age, 18 months or nearly so. Ago. Yeah. And uh, Freddie stayed with me. I've been amazed at how composed he's been since Shishka died. I thought that would really upset him. It did for a bit, but not credibly. 
Did he lose his way at all? Did he know your house oh, and everything? Oh, by then, oh, no, by then he was fine, yeah, no. He, in fact, after about the first 12 months that I had her, he would do all sorts of things on his own. They still liked getting together, and in the car he would always snug up to it, and, and they got on really well, but he wasn't a one-dog dog, you know. Yeah. He, he, he had all sorts of mates, friends. The friends in Melbourne that put me on to him, they had two Samoids and a Samoid cross, so we've never been up there, which we used to. Uh, oh, and then next door neighbour had a sandwich as well. So we used to have these fun weekends every six weeks or so where we get together for an afternoon. And, and he was fine. Do the Samoids have their own quirky habits and things? Sort of. They're very laid back. I mean, I've, I've actually had three of my own. No, no, two of my own, but I looked after another one for six months before it died. I don't think they're that quirky. You'd have it. They, Always very friendly. Yes. They're a bit like golden retrievers. They're reliable. How do you find then when you're downstairs having a coffee and people automatically are drawn to Freddie because he's mm. such a beautiful dog mm. and people just approach him not even knowing that he's blind? No. Does he react at all to that or is he just happy to soak up oh, the love? Oh, just suck it up. <laughs> suck it up, soak it up. I'm not sure what the word is, but... There are one or two dogs over the years he's been a bit wary of when they've approached him, but I think that's because they might have growled and I didn't hear it or something. Sure. But he seems to be able to pick the vibes up. The only problem, well, not the only problem, the major problem with him is if he goes up to a dog who doesn't want to be friendly, and that's fair enough, the other dog will use visual cues. Quite, yeah. You know, there's a the famous one that dogs do, they draw their lips back. Yes. And they show their teeth and the, the other dog will back off. He doesn't see that. So when they do that and he doesn't see it, he runs the risk of them attacking him. Yeah. And it's only happened once in a serious way where he didn't know where he could see. He was absolutely stunned and he was sort of lying down sure. howling because he didn't know where this attack had come from. Yeah, wow. But that's, that didn't put him off doing it to other dogs. And now most dogs back off straight away. Yeah. And the other dog was quite friendly once. So there's things like that, but the, the, the difficulties with him are really sort of straightforward. I mean, he's, he's totally blind, so I can't have him off a lead anywhere near traffic. I can't have him off a lead anywhere near water that's where he could fall in and drown in swimming pools and things. Yeah. But they tell you things like, you know, you've got a blind dog, you mustn't move your furniture. And like, well, I do. Yeah, and he, cope. might, he copes with it. He might bump into it the first time he walks past it, but after that he knows we're there. Well, and he's, he's, he's good. Now you walk him every day on the beach. Do you? Yeah. Is he? Is he always on the lead on the beach? No, no. On no. the beach, he goes off the lead. That's, see, that's that's such a good beach for that. Yeah. This one here, and the other thing is, I'm near, just up the road from the Janjuk Footy Ground. Okay. And that's not entirely closed off. There are a couple of open gates, but over the time I've been, he knows if I yell at him as he's going through one of the gates that yeah. he's got to come back in. But it does mean I have to watch him all the time. But that's another place where we meet groups of dogs. Yeah. Um, and mostly people are pleased to see him and, you know, yeah. and other dogs are. And When he was very small, because he was only 11 weeks old when I got him, there were kids who used to come down to that footy ground to make sure they could meet him. Oh. I'd, I'd take him down there about 4 o'clock and they'd be all playing in the corner and suddenly you'd hear someone shout it, Freddy, it's Freddy. Oh. And they'd rush over like a cavalry charge towards him yelling and he'd be rushing towards them. <laughs> Oh, and they picked him up and put him down and all. You know, he's just, he's hes never shown any, no anger towards any human being. Yeah. You know, Aren't they incredible? Yeah. yeah They're little really healers good. that 
like they heal people just by being there, don't they? Yeah, they're, yeah, that's right. They're very good. And the old one, I, she's good. I took her a few times around to an old folks' place in Alan David Lodge. The old people there used to sit around in board, sitting in armchairs and yeah. things, and walking with them. Um, she's going, hello, she's And she was even more gentle than him. She'd go to all of them, wagging her tail. Oh, they're amazing, aren't yeah, they? They're, That's they're great dogs. They're great dogs. It, they bring people together. They bring mm. people out of that isolation, and mm. especially in, like, nursing homes where they may not see anybody for no, months and months exactly apart from right. the staff. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there's no words. You don't have to say anything to the dogs. Yeah. You're not judged by them. You yeah. can just be yourself, and that's... they just give love yeah, that's unconditionally. Right. More or less unconditionally, that's right, yeah, yeah. Now, I reckon Freddie's probably got the biggest fan club <laughs> down there at the cafe because I have <laughs> actually sat back and watched Dogs come up off the beach with their owners and run straight up to you guys knowing yeah. that there's a snack coming yeah. on board. It's, it's, the, it's the snack that attracts them. <laughs> no, seriously, it is. And I think that their attitude to him is he's a bit useless. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean that. I think they think, oh, that's it. You know, we go over there and we'll get some snacks off Barry and, and the useless dog, you know. <laughs> But he's, he's, he enjoys meeting dogs, he enjoys meeting the dog's owners. There are some people he really likes. Of course, he likes anyone who gets get him treats. Yeah. But there is a chap here, I mentioned his name, his name's Trent, and he works for the local council. He comes in every morning for his coffee. And Freddie just loves it. Oh, wow. I'm sure he'd rather live with this guy than he would with me. <laughs> and, and Trent's wonderful with him. And Trent has never given him a treat. Yeah. So he's not bribing him. He's yeah, just, just is. Bribes him with love or something, you know. He's, yeah. he, he, he squats down and Freddie just loves it. You know. And so with this beautiful connection that you and Freddie have got mm. and him attracting all the girls, obviously, you know, because Does he? he's a bit of a chick magnet, mm. young Freddie. I've never noticed. <laughs> well, um, yeah, you've got to t- take my age into account there, of course. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So there's some pretty incredible friendships that you've made here yeah, in the process. Yeah, people down here. Yeah, it's quite a few down here. That, there'd be at least half a dozen, at least ten that I would say are close friends. Just by meeting and joining yeah, down in. here and then going, you know, being invited to their place. Yeah, sure. Going out to social functions. That's beautiful. You know, so. that, it's just amazing. And I, I think I've really relished seeing the connection of people again, especially mm. after the last couple of years. It's been very difficult. You know, we've all been separated and mm-hmm. isolated. A lot of people have been lonely. We're not islands. We actually work side by side with other people in our lives. Yeah, no matter right. what those yeah. partnerships yeah. are. And and to come to come downstairs here and just easily connect to people through dogs and mm. those friendships. It's just really rewarding to see that. Yep. So Barry, I'm very interested as well. You came from England. Yes. How'd you end up here in the great land of Oz? Well, um it was a mistake. No, no it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a mistake. <laughs> Did the ship not stop where it should have? Behind <laughs> a white, yes. No, no, no. No, no, I, um, I, I left school at 15, I left home at 16 and went into living in a house with her, um, all in her three sons, and we got on very well and I was there for five years. Okay, so you left school at, what did you say? 15. 15. 15. School would have been pretty tough, I imagine. How many? How many in your family, Barry? Eleven. 
Eleven. Yeah, sorry, eleven children. Eleven so, children yeah, in your yeah, family. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And. Wow. It was pretty hard going, and the father had a good job, but it wasn't well paid because he didn't have any paper qualifications. And fortunately, back then, the government had, after the war, introduced things like family allowance, so that helped a lot. Yeah. And, um, one of the things I remember from my childhood is once a week, on Tuesdays, going up to the council offices to pick up the £2.50p that we used to get, which was quite good in those days. It all helped. We lived in a council house. So at 15, were you, did you have to leave school then or were yeah. you able to, yeah? Yeah, I had to leave school then because my parents weren't great with an education. Sure. Uh, and if my father did say in a moment when we almost came to verbal blows um, that um, they wanted to be out earning money because they needed the money. At so I was 15. 15 then, yeah. yeah. And I said, well, if I could stay an extra term on at school, then when I left, I'd have a better chance of getting a job that would pay a bit more. Yeah. As it is, I turned out to be working at a gents outfitters mm-hmm. you know, as the junior. I'm, I suppose, I'm not sure. A bit like A being served. Yeah, is that the one? Be, it was very <laughs> like A being served. You'd be surprised how close some of those attractions are. And I was getting, I started off on £3.17, and six, which even then was fairly low. But, I mean, I did get discount on clothes and things well, like that. Well, there you that. go. See, there's always a silver lining, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but, there was, of course, there was no, not enough money in that. Yeah. And I was paying officially £1.10 a week to my mother as uh, board and lodging. But right. It, never, it, was, it was never actually less than two quid because she would run out of money. Yeah. By the end of the week, so I, I'd le- I would lend it to her. It was a funny form of lending because it never got paid back. Uh-huh. But it was always, can you lend me 10 bob? Yeah, I'll lend you 10 bob. Yeah, I really yeah. <laughs> Put it aside for you already. So you were really out earning very early yeah, and that's also. Right. Yeah. From the time I was 12 and a half, I was doing paper round in the morning. Wow. That would have been a chilly little oh, morning round, I would wind- imagine. Winters were not good pushing the bike around and trying to get the Bloody news! Oh, sorry, the newspapers out of the bag at the side. But yeah. that was out thirteen shillings a week, yeah, which was pretty good. But again, some of that disappeared in the pretty direction good. of my mother. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you from there? Well, well I, I did the, the job in the in the outfitters for twelve months, and then I went to stay with my sister, and she was working as a nanny in an upper class house. But although they were upper class, they were also steady broke. And I learned a lot there because they had a house that was close to a sandpit and next to the sandpit was what they called a coty, which is an old um, Stone Age construction, very simple. And they had it on their property. And he knew all about it, so he told me everything about it. And I'd always been interested in those things, so that was a good start. So was there a bit of a... uh... A love for learning then? Well, I wouldn't have said it was a love for learning. I loved ancient history. I got very interested in evolution. My English teacher at school, after I left, gave me private free lessons to do two GCE subjects, which were GCEO levels, and I passed both of them. But then that's when I dropped that. Okay. So I was 16 then. Yeah. And I dropped doing anything official like that. Bandarang, I suppose. Um, <laughs> As we do. Yeah. Anyway, um, the house I'd moved into, one of the sons had gone to Australia overland in a car. 
with some friends. Mm -hmm. And he sent back amazing letters, which I read, you know, wherever they'd stopped, they'd done this, done the other. You couldn't do it now because you can't get through half the countries you've got through. This is 1966. Mm -hmm. So that sort of got me thinking. And I met another chap who was interested in cricket. Mm -hmm. And I was cricket. So we used to go off for cricket Monday. I said to him, why don't we go to Australia? Yeah, yeah. And he said, oh, yeah, that'd be, yeah, yeah. So we sort of made all these plans. And then just as the plans were not far from coming to fruition, he dropped out. Ah. So my trip overseas, you know, in a car, doing all that was gone. And I still wanted to come to Australia. So I tried to get in under the £10 scheme and failed because they didn't want louts like me. <laughs> <laughs> it got to that point. Well, it just got to the point where they cut that out. But they said, you can come if you've got, you know, if you can afford to come, you can come. So I did. And what age were you then when you actually got well, to Australia? I, I was 21 and a half. Can you imagine our kids now? Just Well, look, I'm amazed how, how confident yeah. so many kids are. I mean, even the even the ponds or just a kid. Yeah, I mean, it was. But still, that's huge at 21. Stupid. Yeah. I wasn't. I wouldn't have moved overseas away from my family at 21. That's a no, big move. But, but I've gone to my family. That's, that's yeah. the thing about yeah. leaving home at 15. It wasn't that I'd forgotten them. I used to go back and see them. Sure. Again, take them some fakes and tobacco and other such things. Yeah. So did you, did you understand or recognise in yourself from an early age then that clearly you were passionate and had a drive that perhaps you weren't going to be able to recognise or have happened in the situation you were in? Can we just step you through then your journey of what's happened in these last years in Australia with your education yeah, and work yeah, life? Because yeah. that's really fascinating. I bought a caravan. I didn't have any driving licence. I put it on one of the local caravan sites. Mm -hmm. And for $15 a week, I've got rent, power and shower. So 15 bucks. 15 that bucks. was two thousand years ago <laughs> well, but, not, but not far off about 1970 wow and while i was there i thought well i might as well do something useful so i came across this correspondence course i signed up to do a couple of hsc yeah and amazed myself by getting two very good results and that led me to doing two more the following year uh, and i got two good results and again good re <laughs> yes so I thought, oh, that was good. And I was talking to someone at the factory where I was working at that stage. About this, And he said, what did you get? And I told him. And he said, well, if you get into uni with that. And I had not really thought about going to uni at that stage. But uh -huh. once he put the thing in my head, I, I went to have an interview at the uni and the very nice Swedish lady who looked after lost people like me <laughs> gave me information. Lost souls. And she looked at the thing. She said, oh, yes, yeah, super Loris. Yes, I'll put you down now. <laughs> So that's how I got into university. And it's gradually sort of incrementally gone so you, on like that. Okay, so let's step back. What is your, for want of a better word, because I don't like the word titles, what are your qualifications? I've got an honor, a first-class honours degree from Melbourne University, first-class arts honours, and a PhD, doctorate, in history and philosophy of science. Now, that's no um, mean feat. No, no, that's right. And it? It, it got a very good result, so the thing passed. And amazingly, it passed without requiring any alterations. Wow. Anyway, so that was that. And then, you know. Oh, Oh, Freddie. Freddie, stop that. Is that a story? Hey. Yeah. 
<laughs> we haven't mentioned you for a while. But no. Yeah. So your educational journey has obviously been extensive and clearly always had a passion or a knowing that yeah. if you've gone to that level from leaving school at 15. But I, I didn't know whether I, I mean, I went to university thinking, oh, I'll get an undergraduate degree. I didn't know what it was at the time, by the way. Yeah. So even for universities. But it's, as you move through, people come up to you and say things like, your results are pretty good. Have you thought of doing honours? Or your results are doing good. Do you want to specialise in history of science? And so on and so on. And so I picked it up and I gradually, but I didn't, I didn't plan it out until I got to the postgraduate part. Yeah. And then I looked at the results. By then I understood the university system very well. Eventually got approached to do some part-time teaching at the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology. Did that for a year. Then they closed the course down, which was not my fault. Uh, <laughs> now you're sure, Barry. Yeah, but on the back of that, I, I also got lucky in Deakin University. Some people from there approached me because they wanted someone to teach history of science in an arts degree. I went for that interview. I was amazed when I got there. I thought there'd be dust. There was nobody there. They'd already actually signed me up without uh-huh. telling me, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. I and you there. said that's luck. There was nothing oh, about luck. It was oh, all about I, your dedication. Well, and... yeah, but it's lucky that I was in the right place yeah, that's at what the right time. Yeah, I know. That's right. And that's so I got there. That was part-time lectureship. It went into a full-time lectureship after I'd been there for five years or something. And then I got that rarest of things, tenure, and I've been there seven years and promoted the senior lecturer. That's where I was stuck until 26 years later. What um, a rich academic history. I bet yeah. there's not many people down here at the Salty Dog actually know all this about you, is there? Well, I don't tell them. I do, I do if I think it's going to be worth me. <laughs> <laughs> there's a drawback to all this, but it's a drawback which I have to live with, which is people come up to me and say things like, have you ever thought of joining this? Have you ever thought of joining that? And then as soon as you say yes, they grab you and stick you on the board of governors or whatever it uh-huh, might be and you sure. end up, which, is, which can be fun. I mean, I, I, I got a role on a um, Melbourne Museum committee that uh, looked at scholarship. We were interviewing people for this scholarship. And uh, I'm now on a committee at St John of God. I'm, I'm the public representative on the infection committee, which meets about every three months. Well, she's actually very interesting, even though I don't understand more than about 5% of what they talk about. <laughs> but, but I do pick up stuff. And I've now, in the last couple of weeks, been chivied into joining the local Torquay Historical Society. I think I'm the 15th member after 30 years. And I, I've always been a bit of a sucker for punishment for doing this. So. Yeah, but you've obviously got a real passion for learning. Well, and I like doing it. I mean, I like getting involved. And be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been 10 years on the local Surf Coast refugee and friend and I ran for 10 years a stall where we sold things like chutney and things like that, which was made by these refugees. Okay, yeah. And um, we didn't get any payment for these. And it was about once a month after six months selling at the local market, the cowrie market. Yeah. And I think I worked it out that over the 10 years, we raised about $48,000, which went back to the refugee. So you've always been yeah. really interested in community and, yeah. and a, yeah. a really broad sense of community. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. And one of the other things, I, I always forget to tell people this, but I joined something called the Rationalist Society. Right. Right. When I first came <laughs> to Australia. 
<laughs> it would have been in the 70s. When being rational was a thing. Well, supposedly, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but the rationalists were old-fashioned anti-religious, so really. Right. They were good. I mean, they were bright people. I mean, but, and that was good. And that, that really brought my mind in that as well. And I started buying books and I was like, I got very interested in Charles Darwin. I bought books about Darwin. And as I went up this ladder in Deakin, my income increased sufficiently for me to start buying first editions of his books. So I built up over 30 fantastic collections. Books, you know, we just don't read anywhere near as much as we used no, to, do we? No, we Obviously, don't. Obviously, no. because everything's technology now, but yeah, yeah. nothing better than a hard copy. Well, that's right, except that with my fading eyesight, I bought a Kindle. Mm-hmm. And although I don't use it much, I will have to eventually. And the good thing about the Kindle is you can change the font and you can change the size. Oh, you should and see it, the size of my text on my phone. You can only get about three words on the screen because it's so big. <laughs> yeah, well, I said to somebody once, eventually my, my Kindle is going to be one letter on a screen. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's um, so true. But that was all part. That's, it's all sort of part of a melding process that comes in. Picture, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you retired how long ago? 14 years. Okay. At 59. I went to my head of school at Deakin and said, uh, have you got five minutes? She said, yeah. I said, well, well, I'm resigning at the end of the year. I was a senior lecturer by this stage and i just finished two and a half years of hell as the associate dean for the faculty teaching and learning. I was much too old when I took it up. I was already past 50. You've done the hard yards, haven't you? You learn something each time. So this time frame now in your life, these 14 years since you've retired, do you find the connection with the people, the support (laughs) in your life, the friendships? Mm -hmm. Is that like because it's difficult when you retire sometimes from a career that you've been in a long time, you lose all those, just the connections and the support systems and all of a sudden they're Mm. not there. Well, some some of the people that I, I see now, yeah. Um, and the other thing was, by the time I'd got to that stage, I'd had enough sure. of being in the university system. I was never very good with computers and everything was going on computing, so I was quite glad to go. Yeah. I had a colleague who said to me a year after he retired and he came to see me in my office, closed the door and stood there and wept and said, don't retire, Barry, it's absolutely terrible. And I remember sitting there looking at him thinking, you silly old son. <laughs> I gather you haven't found retirement to be No, terrible. I've not found retirement difficult. <laughs> not in that respect. Yeah. There are other respects in which it's overlapped other things like health issues and things sure. which have been difficult. And in that 14 years, I put a sum of money of my superannuation away for travel. And in an 18-month period, I went to Egypt, Rome, Britain, no, not Rome, Italy. At the end of that year, I went to the Galapagos Island. Wow. All in one year. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> and the Galapagos Islands were the last thing in my bucket list, which I had called it that. But when I was about 18 or 19, I drew up a list of places I'd love to see before I died. And they were the last stop. So I've had a great time. Australia's been fantastic to me. And you know what? You've circled right back around now. Oh, gone back into poverty now. <laughs> no, I was, gonna, I was actually going to say, <laughs> you said Australia's been great to yeah. you. But every day you're great to other people. Like I, I don't mm. think you probably realise the incredible story that is you and, and Freddie mm. that mm. you give back. And it's a very simple way to give back, but it's 
Yeah, it's almost costless. Yeah, yeah. Now the snacks. Tell yeah, me about the cost right. of your snacks for free. <laughs> uh, they're about fourteen dollars for half a kilo. I'll probably get to a kilo a week. Of just snacks for the other dogs. That's just the the, the, the smackers cut up. And what happens if these dogs showed up in the morning and you had no snacks? Would there be a mutiny? No. I, I, I did worry the first few times it happened. Sometimes I left things at home and things like that. But they no, they come back the next day. <laughs> They're very forgiving, aren't they? Yes, and yes. accepting. I just wish they'd be a bit more gentle on their fingers, that's all. Okay. I get to know some and I know ones who can jump. But, I mean, look, that's all trivia, really. But, yeah, my life is very largely trivia in these days, but quite comfortably happy trivia. I still read a lot in the sort of areas that I taught on, but I don't read it for any purpose of going back. A couple of years after I retired, I got approached to mark 14 honours thesis. Worked really, really hard on those 14. And the only reason I did it was because they said, they said I'd get $50 for each bundle. And, you know, I got a phone call about three weeks after I submitted everything in, waiting, and it was from the guy who had enrolled me, and he was terribly apologetic. He said, I'm sorry, but we can't pay you. And I said, why not? And he said, well, because you are an honorary in faculty. You're supposed to do some work. Uh And I remember saying, some work? I've marked 40 theses. I've never done any further work for Deacon. I never will. Well, they And I don't want to do it anyway. (laughs) They blew their chance, didn't they? They did, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, anyway. So what is what's the future look like? What what makes you fairly grim? <laughs> what do you really enjoy? Like uh, it must be really difficult um, um, to leave such a fruitful and robust career and then as long as you've got something else to go into or or something else to do. And in yeah. that first two or three years I did a fair bit been to Florence three times. Yeah, right. Been to Britain probably four times since I retired. I'm not going again. I don't think I'll have to travel anywhere again by air. Okay. I may leave Australia. I don't know. Well, what makes you smile each day, I guess, because that's that's where you got to start, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I know someone who said to me once, not that long ago, what happens to you in the morning when you first get up and you wake up? And he said, I say, oh, bugger, still here. <laughs> it's going to be better than that. And I it? said... Well, I said, I haven't quite got there yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm starting to understand what you mean. You know, yeah, got... yeah, yeah. Yeah, and of course, as you get older, your health's an yeah, issue. that's right. And but I as mean, long as you've got people around you that if yeah. anything goes wrong, you've got close friends now that... Yeah, and they've been fantastic. Some other people down here, but I had my heart. She came home to find the freezer ball. That's good community the, the, people. A couple down here, Daryl and Marie, had set up a guy to come and mow the lawns, and Marie came in and cleaned the house. And people were coming round to see me. Some people came to the hospital to see me, but I wasn't in long enough to be. I was in. I was in there long enough to make a fool of myself. Oh, oh dear! What happened? Uh, well, you me, may not want to speak about uh, that. They gave me endone. Ah, uh-huh. as a painkiller. Sure, did kill the pain, but it drove me round the bend. Oh, that's not very no, graceful, I was, is it? I was sitting watching in ICU. I was looking opposite of the bed. Right opposite, outside, was the opening doors for a lift. Yeah. And every now and again, this, these lift doors would open, and all these people come out, and they'd come out at a rush. And there was a set of stairs, and half of them fell down the stairs. In your mind? <laughs> well, in reality, as far as I could tell at the time. <laughs> right? 
And then there was this little scuffling going on in ICU one night, and I could hear people whispering. And a guy came with a book, a signed book. They unloaded this bloke from one bed onto the thing and they took him out. And I heard one of them say, well, that's two out of three, only one to go. Oh. And I'm thinking, this is a euthanasia place. <laughs> Bless the end huh? Oh, God, it was just, just. Anyway, sorry. So that was, look, the people came and saw me. You talked to Marie and she said I was a roommate. <laughs> Oh, then my closest friend in Australia, Felicity, came in to see me. She smuggled in a banana. So she's in ICU. (laughs) But by that stage, I'd bored her witness because I was saying, you've got to get me out of here because they're planning to kill me. I've heard them planning. Wow. And she looked at me and said, that was so bloody stupid. Yes. Some of those painkillers can um, be a bit hairy, McClary, can't they? Yeah. And when when my um, cardiologist came in and I said, that endone is terrible. And he laughed. He said, it's okay. He said, I know all about you and the endone. He said. <laughs> and, I, and he's got a big smile on his face and he said, and your record has been stamped never to be given endone. <laughs> <laughs> I'd suggest you become a legend in that. Oh, I see you. Not Jesus. probably the reason. But that it's not long be- after that that they got me onto the committee. Onto that committee I was telling you about. Oh. I keep getting worried after running into some of the nurses. I'm, not, I'm sure I've used some of them. I, I tell you what, having come from a nursing and paramedic background, I've been proposed to. I've had numerous things happen under the influence of heavy yeah. drugs, so it's okay. Nurses do yeah, understand. That's right. And I, I must say there were two nights in ICU that I thoroughly enjoyed because... I don't know how it slipped out, but one of the nurses came to do something and I was talking to her and I said something about total course in the history of medicine. And she said, oh, that sounds interesting. So I started telling her about it. And the following night, about six of them all came and stood around the bed while I talked to them about the history of medicine, cholera and the impact of vaccination. And I don't know how I managed to do it. I couldn't do it now. <laughs> it's the endone, Barry. No, no, that was after the endone. The endone was gone then. <laughs> Wow, uh, anyway. what, a, what a fascinating story yeah. and life. Yeah, there's yeah, been a lot of fun. Yeah. Home, well, home life was never very fun. Yeah, but, but you've made that the best of maybe a situation mm. when you were younger, you may have just stayed within that concept of well, that's right. going uh, out to work as a young fella and never yeah. having the chance to study. Yeah, most of the friends I made when I was still at school um, stayed with me up until I came to Australia and then we lost them. Touch. Yeah. And I made the mistake five years ago of contacting one of them and saying, I'd like us to have a get together. I'm over there. Do you think it can be arranged? And he wrote back and said, Yeah, no worries. I'll do it. I'll do it. And I went over there and it was just a discipline. Oh, really? <laughs> because nothing so had changed. Old. Yeah. They'd be really old. Some You've of them had retired as well. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so important to keep your mind active, isn't it? A couple of them were still pretty alert. Do you want to go back to the beginning for a minute? Sure. The people I feel sorry for were my four sisters. Okay. I was always at least allowed out to play with others. Yeah. Right when I was a kid. Their their wanting to go out to play was always seen to be a bit suspicious. And in any case, there was housework to be done and blah, blah, shopping and whatever. Anyway, they had a rough life. 
Well, my parents died, and that was a great relief to all. Yeah. Okay. So, Barry, to wrap this up, yep. having learnt a great deal about you today, and you're a very quiet, unassuming gentleman <laughs> that many people see as the, the chappy and his beautiful dog that gives everyone else a smack. Yeah. One You've of those to- simple folk that wonders about. That's it, the simple folk. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this incredible story that's your life. But that, you probably, you're right when you said at the beginning, most people probably could do something like that. I mean, some people are lucky and they, they get born into a good situation and they travel through and it's all lockstep and whatever and it's fine. But a lot of people have to overcome a lot of that. Yeah, all yeah. The, the challenges. And yeah, you, you've done right. that, obviously. Well, most of them. Most time of them. again. Yeah. Now, just with the Freddie. Yes. If you could say something to Freddie and you knew that he could hear you. Yes. Because he can't see you. No. No. <laughs> can't see me unclearly. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. If you could say something to him and what he means to you in your yeah. life, what would it be? Well done and thanks a lot. Yeah. You know, well, that probably means a zillion things to you. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, the same would be with Shishka because for all Freddie's virtues, and he's got lots, he hasn't got any faults really, <laughs> um, but for all his virtues, Shishka was my favourite dog. Oh, and Freddie, he just waved his tail when, when he, you said that. He might have so he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I can't explain. She was just a beautiful dog, you know. And I, with him, I, I, I actually do admire him. Uh, you know, the way he copes with life, and yet he's not conscious he's coping with life because no. he's not conscious of anything else he might have said. Yeah. You know, he's, 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 never, he's never seen anything, um, but he's, uh, no, he's a great dog. He's, he's, he's very, he's always, well, nearly always happy. Now and again he has a miserable moment. Yeah. Sometimes, no, sometimes at night when I'm sitting watching the TV, he rushes in with a ball in his mouth going, <laughs> And uh, every night I say, what's the matter then? And he just disappears outside. Yeah, look, we all have our ups and downs, don't yeah, we? Yeah, that's right. They He's... can't speak them, but. No, you know. I just have to keep him free of pain. Yeah. The problem is going to be when he goes, because I'm not getting another dog. Mm, do you miss him? Well, I will miss it, but I mean, I'm assuming he's going to live another six years, um, by which time my eyesight will be absolutely shot. I mean, I'm going to lose my licence next year. So what do you, it's going to be the blind leaving the blind, is it? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> he might it be able to be. teach you a few tricks because he knows how to get around the furniture already. I don't think he's going to be that accommodating. <laughs> you might be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> leaving the blindness out of it, my general health is not wonderful. It's all right. Since you thought I'd be nearly 80. Yeah, yeah. Getting a dog at that age. Yes, that's a bit different. With all the problems I'll have, it's difficult. So I'm not that worried about it. I'll play face that one. Yeah, yeah. But for now, you're just going to absolutely enjoy this beautiful dog. And, you know, the whole time we've been yakking, he's just sat quietly next to us. That's the same old thing. Yeah. One bark and then when you said Shishka was your favourite, he did put his tail up. So, you know, you might have to deal with that when you go home, I think. It's going to be words about that. <laughs> His attitude when she died was interesting. I mean, he, there were signs that he missed her. Yeah. But it didn't go on for very long, and they didn't seem to be very deep. 
But I, I still think he, he, he was very fond of it. They were very fond of each other. Do you know what, though? They don't judge each other. They no, don't. We always right. have this silly rot where we judge people yeah. for their different shape and their different colour. Yeah, it's all yeah. the hoo-ha. These guys couldn't care less. No, that's right. They just accept each other no. for what they are. That's right. They it, was, us. it was great fun watching these two of mine play and just get on. Yeah. Okay. I'm dribbling, I think. <laughs> Um, and you're worried about your eyesight? <laughs> That's right, yeah. is, is, If you noticed, I mean, you wouldn't have done because you're not old enough to have noticed yet. <laughs> but I walk past big windows or mirrors sometime and I get a, ref, a reflection and I think, good God, how the hell did you get like that? <laughs> oh, no, and then something I, happens to me. And then I forget and keep going, you know. <laughs> well, you're right, you know. And then I forget that I forgot. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah it's great. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Barry, I think we've all got the same stuff going on. Yeah, I'm sure we In have. different degrees, that's all. Yeah. Who's the dog, Shishk? Oh, shit, Fred. <laughs> now, you, now you're going to be in trouble twice. No, no, we've forgotten it by the time we get in the car. Uh, I don't think his memory is brilliant. Barry, so, so thank you for sharing your story today. Like oh, I, I said. Like, I like telling it if, if, if anyone wants to hear it, but, but I have to watch that I don't get carried away. Yeah. And boring people, and they say afterwards, it's like, oh, it's a bloody dog. Yeah, you know, but a lot of people would go in downstairs to the salty dog, get their coffee, mm. see you there, mm. and Freddie, and never think past that no. moment in time. And I think there's always a magical story. Well, there's Everyone always a ba- background to something, isn't Yeah, there? everyone yeah. has a story. And I think yours is very fascinating. So thank you for your time this morning. <laughs> That's all right.